Hello, and welcome to the eighth episode of the Ben and Caden Show. I'm Ben Glick. And I'm Caden Greco. Today, we have an amazing episode for you guys. We're going to be interviewing Len Casper. Len Casper is the current radio play-by-play announcer of the Chicago White Sox and was the Cubs TV play-by-play announcer for 16 years. We're super excited to have him on the show, but we'll get back to that later. Ben, anything up with you? Well, we have been in a pandemic for a year. Pretty crazy, huh? No. Let's get back to Len. Len Casper is a man who needs no introduction, but he is currently the White Sox radio play-by-play announcer. But for the last 16 years, he has served as the Cubs broadcast play-by-play announcer and has had many other TV and announcing jobs. We're really honored to have him on the show. Thank you, Mr. Casper. Thanks, guys. First of all, call me Len, but I appreciate you having me on. (laughs) Thank you, Len. All right. Well, Len, we like to ask this with every guest we have on the show. How did you get your start as an announcer? Well, when I was a kid, when I was probably 12 or 13, uh, I was a big baseball fan. And I grew up listening to to Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey on Tigers Radio in Detroit. And I just fell in love with broadcasting. I, I just thought it would be a really cool way to to be around the ballpark every day. So I knew at a pretty early age what I wanted to do. And when I was a junior or senior in high school, uh, I got a job at a local radio station. At the time, it really wasn't on the air at all. It was behind the scenes, uh, running commercials and things. But um, you know, I've basically been in broadcasting since, uh, since I was in high school. I continued on and worked at the student radio station in college at Marquette University. Uh, and then got my broadcasting career started in earnest right uh, after I graduated. So uh, I've been doing this for over 30 years. And, uh, you know, I, I, I never wavered in terms of what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I'm very fortunate uh, because I know a lot of people uh, aren't quite sure what they want to do uh, or think they know. And then they change their mind later, which is very natural and I think is pretty normal. Uh, but for me, uh, it's been pretty singularly focused uh, since I was uh, pretty young. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Marquette's actually a new answer from the people we've interviewed. It's mostly Arizona State or Syracuse. Yeah, uh, Marquette's got a good communications uh, school. Uh, I actually majored in in public relations, but you know I was still in that communications world, and the PR part of it was helpful because I got a an internship my freshman year with the Milwaukee Bucks. And so that kind of got me immersed in the, in the pro sports world at a very young age. And uh, yeah, no, I, the, the experience, and then being in Milwaukee, uh, you know, the Brewers and uh, the Bucks, and while the Packers were in Green Bay, I ended up uh, later working at the flagship station on radio of the Packers. So yeah, it was, it was very helpful to me. Wow, that's awesome. You say baseball on the radio is its purest form. As a broadcaster, what's the difference between those two mediums? The biggest difference between radio and television for baseball is radio is a play-by-play medium. It's all about telling the listener where the ball is, what the score is, what the game situation is. Whereas on television, you see the score graphically, you see the count, uh, you see the play develop, and your job is to really supplement the pictures. 
and to and and to make your analyst shine. Uh, they're both very different. They're both very challenging. Um, they kind of challenge a different part of the brain, and I, I really enjoy both uh, separately. Uh, but the thing about radio and baseball is it's not a one or two dimensional sport. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on around the edges and it gives you an opportunity to really paint that picture uh, on radio for, for baseball. Uh, I think it's the best sport on radio. Uh, and I think it might be the only sport that to me might even be a little better on radio than it is on television. I think probably more for hockey, football, basketball, those types of sports. Uh, I think they're probably a little bit better consumed on television just because the action is so fast paced. But I, I think baseball has a nice slow pace. It gives you an opportunity to really kind of mine the uh, descriptions of the game on radio. And uh, that's why I love it. Yeah, I really like sometimes I just listen to a game on radio like Pat Hughes. I love when they like paint the picture and you can just imagine in your head. No question. And, uh, you know, I as a kid, I, I, I watched a lot of games on TV, listened to a lot of games on radio. And yeah, there's just something about that vibe. And, and I think the other thing is it's every day. So we have busy lives. We have things, other things that we do. And to have that game on in the background where you don't even have to be paying full attention to it, but just to have that sound in the background, I think is, is really neat. Yeah, and nowadays with all this technology, you can even just carry the game in your pocket like that. That's right. Yeah, uh, I, on my iPhone now with the MLB app, guys, I can I can watch every MLB game or listen to every MLB <clears throat> game. And when I was your age, you know, it was the game of the week, maybe uh, a couple of games during the week. Uh, we got cable when I was I don't know if I was even a teenager, but close to it. And then that's when I could watch games on WGN every day, but not every team broadcast every game on, on, on television. So you had to find games on the radio. It was a little bit more of a challenge. Exactly. So being with the Cubs for a while, it must've been really difficult to make that decision to finally leave. What went into that decision and did the Cubs make it difficult for you to leave? Yeah, I had been thinking about it for a bit. Uh, I recently turned 50 and, you know, kind of at the point in my life and career uh, at which I wanted to make sure that, you know, if I crossed off uh, every box and having done television for basically 20 years, you know, I thought about why I got into the business in the first place and, and what really drew me to baseball. And it, it was radio. And because the White Sox job opened, I would never have considered leaving Chicago. We love this city. We love being here. It's a great place to, to live and <clears throat> to raise a family. And so kind of the stars all aligned just to explore the opportunity. And fortunately, you know, the Cubs and Marquee were, were, were great about letting me explore the opportunity. I told them why. I told them I was really happy with my situation, but I just, you know, when an opportunity like that uh, opens up, you know, I, I just, I need to, to make sure that uh, I scratch the itch is the way I put it. And uh, they, they allowed me to do that. I, I told them I'm not going to waste anybody's time. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out one way or the other this week. 
And uh, at the end of the day, uh, all the reasons that I wanted to explore the opportunity uh, were kind of the reasons I decided to, to make the switch. And uh, the Cubs and Marquis made uh, a great pitch to keep me, which I really appreciated. Um, but, you know, the, the, the things that I wanted to do, I wanted to be a lead radio voice. I wanted to have the chance to call playoff baseball. Uh, I wanted to work in the American League, which I had never done. Uh, I wanted to have a chance to see my parents in Michigan uh, when the White Sox play the Tigers. So there are just a lot of, a lot of things that uh, I needed to kind of cross off the list. And uh, it worked out well, and I'm very thankful to everybody involved on both sides and how they handled it because uh, it could have gotten a little weird and uh, tense, but it never did. And uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's great. And it's awesome for you to get to follow your dream because when people get those jobs, they usually keep them for a really long time. And the fact that one opened up in your city, that's really lucky. And um, it's good that you got to pursue it. There's no question. Uh, once uh, that job was filled, <clears throat> it's probably going to be uh, you know, one person in that job for at least a generation. And, you know, generation means 20, 25, 30 years. And by that time, you know, I would be uh, retired. And um, so I just wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, life experiences and all of those things were paramount and, and, and not just about, you know, the thing that everybody thinks I should do. It's all about what ultimately my gut told me to do. And that's kind of what led me to this situation. Well, that's good that you got that job. We're super happy about that. And it's good that you stuck with your gut because it's, at the end of the day, it's your job. But um, we talked to your friend, Boog Shambi, and he's super excited with his new job. Did you open that door for him? And are you excited to see him in that new job? I did not open any door for him. Um, that was all him. But I'm, I'm thrilled. And I never in my wildest dreams knew or thought that if I left that he would get the job. Um, but it's amazing how it worked out. And the fact that he's moving to Chicago, uh, we're best of friends and, uh, we haven't lived in the same city in about 20 years, uh, since we were uh, doing the Marlins down in Florida. So, uh, I think he's the perfect choice. He'll be great at it. And, uh, selfishly the, the opportunity to be able to see him a lot more often, and, and to, to just watch how much he's going to enjoy being the voice of the Cubs uh, is really cool. Uh, it, it, as I said, it couldn't have worked out better. We've, we've talked a lot uh, since, since I took the White Sox job and since he got the Cubs job. And uh, as Boog said, we're probably going to annoy some people on both sides because we like each other so much. But uh, that's who we are, and that's not going to change. Uh, Jason Benetti, also a very good friend. And you know, JD is one of my best friends. So, you know, the Cubs White Sox thing, I know there's a, a healthy rivalry on and really off the field with the fans, but in the broadcast booths, there's probably more synergy between the two sides of town than there has been in a long time. That's really cool to hear. And also it's just awesome because you see all these player relationships with all these different teams, whether they went to college together or they were on the same team before, but it's really cool that announcers can have that same type of relationship for sure and and i think people need to realize that you know the teams that do have the rivalries the broadcasters are always friendly uh there really aren't broadcaster rivalries so to speak uh, i'm sure there are 
personalities that don't always mesh. But uh, in my experience, you know, I get along with everybody in the league and, and, you know, we're all trying to help each other. And especially during this pandemic, you know, when we're doing mm-hmm. remote broadcasting, there's, there's a lot of assistance required. And that's where forging those relationships with other teams, broadcasters, uh, becomes really important. Right. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's just all these guys that are living their dreams. Exactly. Yep. So you're going from one side of the rivalry to the other. After 16 years with the Cubs announcing thousands of games, what was the most memorable moment that you called? I have to separate it. I guess the call that people probably mention the most often is the Aramis Ramirez homer against Milwaukee in 2007. But I would say the baseball moments, the Chris Bryant three-homer, two-double game in Cincinnati, uh, all the no-hitters, really everything that happened in 2016. Uh, game seven, you know, I was doing radio. Uh, you know, not a, I wasn't on the air a whole lot, but I was with the radio guys in Cleveland and just that whole crazy night. Uh, there's so many. And, and that's part of the reason why I made this move, because I was able to bank all these amazing moments and memories, you know, I've often thought about, well, if, if the Cubs hadn't won the world series or if they hadn't had this run, would I have made the move I made? And, you know, it's, it's all integral, I guess, when, when you look at your life and decisions you make, it's hard to, to change anything and then assume that the same kind of path would occur. But I'm very thankful that I was able to experience so many amazing things and, and really the greatest, most successful era in Chicago Cubs history. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I think that's where you guys are very fortunate uh, at your age to be able to experience that. Uh, something that a lot of Cubs fans, a lot older than you, uh, experienced for the first time. Uh, and and uh, nobody can ever take that away. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're growing up in a period where we got to see the Cubs and now we might see the White Sox. We're just getting some really good Chicago baseball. Yeah, and I think the White Sox... Uh, are kind of entering that that window, that period. Uh, the Cubs entered around 2015, and uh, that that is incredibly exciting for me. For sure. Yeah. So from moving to the from the Cubs to the White Sox, they're both historic franchises. From what you've seen so far, is there any big differences in the organizations? I think there are a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. Uh, the, the 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 arc of the franchise histories. Uh, it's actually pretty similar. You know, 1906, they met in the World Series. They're both charter franchises of their respective leagues. Uh, They they both had similar droughts in terms of the World Series uh, and and heartbreaks at different times. Um, You know, there's been a very colorful history on the South Side, uh, especially when you think about Bill Veck's ownership uh, and some of the the fun things he did down there and, and actually did at Wrigley Field, too. Uh, going back to the planting of the ivy in 1937. So, uh, yeah, it's. I think both organizations really embrace their history, embrace the great players who tend to to come back and 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 hang around the franchise and become ambassadors for the teams. Uh, I think that's wonderful that they both do that. Uh, so I'm really immersing myself right now in White Sox history as I did in Cubs history when I was there. And uh, I am finding that uh, there are a lot of interesting similarities. Yeah, it's pretty cool to you learn all that stuff from the Cubs and then you move to the White Sox and you get to see all that too. And 
you just learn a lot when you get those jobs. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I, I know there's been talk about maybe at some point if realignment occurs, the two teams would end up in the same division or league or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I it's interesting to me how they've been separated for forever, and I've only met up once in the World Series yet that rivalry is so intense and, and fans tend to either root for one or the other. And by definition, you end up rooting against the other team. So uh, I, I've, I've started to witness that more intensely now having made that move. And uh, uh, that's okay. That's fun. It, it, it really is a fun fan rivalry. Yeah. It's what makes sports. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And it's even better now since both teams are playing better baseball than they have historically. So how do you think, speaking of better baseball, how do you think the White Sox's infield matches up to some of the other World Series contenders this year, such as the Padres, Dodgers, and Yankees? I think it's one of the best infields in baseball. And uh, as I said, Madrigal, you know, is kind of getting getting his career started um, is a really uh, interesting hitter in terms of he never strikes out. Uh, and, and hopefully can hit for a high average, be a good contact guy. Uh, I really look forward to the double play combo defensively of Anderson and Madrigal. Uh, Abreu is the reigning MVP, but Moncada at third, you know, he had a great 2019. He had a bad 2020. Uh, I think uh, having the COVID diagnosis early and then when he came back, he just admitted he just couldn't kind of get his legs back last year. So I think he's the key to the 21 Sox. And if he's the player he was during the last full season, this offense has a chance to be the best in the league. And uh, I, I, I don't, I don't say that lightly, but uh, there just are are no holes in this lineup. Uh, and and you know the outfield. I mean, my goodness, with Jimenez and Robert and and Eaton and Engel, uh, position player wise. I, I'm, I'm really excited to watch this group play every day. No easy outs. So um, with those players, I know there's COVID regulations in place, but have you been able to meet any of them yet? Haven't been able to meet any of them in person. It's all been via Zoom or, you know, other technology. That, that, that's been hard. Uh, I, think, I think John Chambi's dealt with similar things with, with the Cubs. You know, your, your first year with a, a new team and, you really need to be in the clubhouse. You need to be on the field as much as you can. And, uh, I haven't been able to do that, but um, I've just relied on uh, you know, media relations staff, my fellow broadcasters kind of doing a lot of reading and uh, yeah, just being you know, particularly helpful, but you do what you can. You know, it's, it's, it's the world we live in right now and uh, you just adjust as you go. Would you say it's important for announcers to have those connections with players? It's hugely important. Yeah, and you know, this year's going to be different and unique and challenging for me. Uh, I suppose uh, in some ways next year will kind of probably feel more like my first year, uh, but uh, you know, time waits for no one. And uh, if I'm going to be the, the the radio voice of the team, you know, I, I have to find ways to get information and I'm doing, doing the best I can in that regard. Right. And speaking of those COVID challenges, last year for the Cubs, you announced all games and away from Wrigley. So how are you able to properly commentate those games while looking at monitors? It's difficult. Uh, as I said, you do the best you can with the situation at hand. Uh, you miss a lot of nuance when you're not in the ballpark, uh, but uh, it's just kind of the way the way we had to do it. And I, I really tackled the challenge 
uh, with as much positivity as I could. Uh, I made a few mistakes along the way. I guess she learned little tricks to try to make sure you can find things and see things uh, and, and get information uh, either via text or, you know, uh, whether it's a game day. It's challenging. It really is hard. Um, my hope is that whenever we get back on the road, um, that we never have to do remote broadcasting ever again. Um, but I understand that it's just part of the deal now. And I think in some areas, some sports, uh, this will probably become a thing uh, that's fairly permanent, but I, I do hope in our sport uh, it's not because being at the ballpark, being around the team uh, is hugely important. And I think it really enhances the broadcast. Definitely, especially in a sport like baseball where there's so many little things that go into game. Are they planning on doing that this year again? We're starting by doing remote games for the road games, yes. But, you know, my hope is that as things continue to open up that uh, – we would hopefully be able to get on the road at some point. We kind of already talked about it with position players, but with the White Sox, what pitchers do you think are going to be um, crucial to, to a successful season this year? Probably Dylan Cease. You know, the, the one, two, three is is really solid with uh, Giolito, Keuchel, and Lynn. Uh, I think everyone thinks Dylan Cease can be a top of the rotation type guy. And if he's your four, you feel really good about it. Uh, I, you know, I know, um, I think as Monty Grandall said recently, he thinks Cease could be a, a Cy Young contender. Uh, and I agree. I think he's got the stuff to do it. Uh, needs to throw more strikes. He knows that. Uh, I think this is a very important year for him. Uh, this bullpen is going to be tremendous with Liam Hendricks now as the closer. But, you know, in terms of starter depth, uh, I think Dylan Cease is probably the key guy. Definitely. This year, the White Sox are a hot team with a lot of young talent. Do you think they'll get to the World Series this year and fulfill your dream of calling a World Series? And most importantly, do you think they'll go all the way? I sure hope so. Uh, I, I, predictions in terms of baseball are, are perilous. Uh, so many things can happen along the way, but there's no question this team is enough and has the experience and the right mix of youth and, and veteran leadership to, to make it happen. Uh, it's an incredibly athletic group, uh, so you, they've got to stay healthy and avoid long losing streaks. But they've got a Hall of Fame manager who's been around the block a few times and done this a lot. So, yeah, I think uh, division or grab a wild card spot uh, as we get into late September. That's always the goal, I think, even for the best teams, is just make sure that uh, come September you're relevant, you're in it, and uh, you do everything you can to make sure you give yourself the best win. Yeah, they're they're confident, too. Um think Tim Anderson said that we're the best team in the American League. I love that. I love that about Tim. He's not afraid. And, uh, you know, that, that makes for a good talk show. Definitely. It fuels what everybody wants to hear and see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some there's some people who are weird about it, like, oh, they shouldn't be saying that. But I like it. I think it's cool. Right. I also yeah. love just how the players have been so expressive more recently. I think it adds a lot of color to the game. Yeah, and I, I think bulletin board material works in other sports, but I, I'm not sure it really matters in baseball. You still have to hit it mm -hmm. and catch it and pitch it. Uh, and I'm not sure um, another guy on another team says really can motivate you to do those things better. <laughs> right, because you have to do that every single day for five months. Pressing. Yeah, no, that's right. Takes a lot of uh, takes a lot of focus. Definitely. And then um, one last thing. Um, so speaking of being so pressing, 
for an announcer during um, the baseball season, are you always busy? <laughs> well, it, it is very busy. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of homework to do. Uh, you're at the ballpark a lot. You have an occasional off day and typically those are spent paying the bills, you know, doing your laundry. Uh, and, and, and so it, it's important to, to have the rest of your life kind of figured out because, you know, if you're, if, if you don't manage your time, well, uh, your off days do become not real off days. And so I try to make sure that when I do have a little extra time that I can get as far away from my job and the game as I can, uh, because mentally you need to kind of empty your brain of those things and hit the reset button and spend time with your family. Those things are all really important, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a passion. Uh, it's, it's kind of a 24 hour, seven day a week thing. And uh, thankfully, I love it. And I think to do it well, you have to love the sport. Definitely. Well, um, Mr. Casper, or Len, like you told us, um, that was an excellent interview. And we really appreciate you joining us. Caden, Ben, really appreciate it, guys. That was Len Casper. Super nice guy. It was pretty cool. We, we heard a little bit of the other side of the story from Boog, um, like with the Cubs and um, him leaving. And then... We got to hear a lot about the White Sox this year, um, how he feels about them. Um, they're a young team, pretty confident. They have some good guys. And um, also we heard we just heard a lot of cool stuff from both the Cubs, the White Sox, and then some more general stuff. Yeah, and it's also really cool how um, Boog and Len started together in Miami 20 years ago. And now after they're both respective, um, well accomplished careers they finally cross paths again in chicago yeah now they get to see each other they live in the same city he was pretty excited about that and another thing the interview might sound a little choppy because i actually bad wi-fi got kicked out of it twice and um it was just ben and len how, how did that go when i was gone oh uh, you know it went pretty well oh we talked about a lot of secret things that you'll never find out you just had to be there you just had to be there you, you just had exactly and now moving on thank you so much for listening to our eighth episode but more so thank you len Casper, for joining us indeed thank you so much len we really enjoyed having you on the show stay tuned next weekend for another episode that you won't want to miss definitely and if you haven't already make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any new episodes well that's it for our episode today on behalf of everyone this is Kaden signing off.